Thank you guys so much for joining Guinea Talk. We are back. You know, we took a little bit of a break. We missed you guys dearly. So, you know, we had to come back. It's much appreciated. Thanks for joining us. This is the first episode of season two of Guinea Talk. Thank you guys again so much for joining. As always, it's your girl, Black Bulma, and I'm here with my guy, G4. I'll let him introduce himself. Hey, everybody. Um, yeah, we're definitely happy to be back. Uh, you know, a nice needed break was taken, but we we are fully recharged and ready to go again. And boy, do we have something special for you guys. Yes, definitely. So, um, you know, so much has happened during the break and everything like that. But, you know, we come back. We had to come back with a bang. You know, we had to we got to come back legendary. You know what I mean? Because Dragon Ball is such a legendary anime. We had to come back legendary. And it's only right as the Ginyu talk. We come in and, and we just we got to We got to make you guys happy as well. So, you know, we, we have a very special guest today that we're going to get to know. Of. He's very legendary play so many so many legendary actors so we might as well just get right into it because you know we got to get into it you know we got we got to <laughs> get into it we got to get into it so let's bring him on yeah <clears throat> hello so, <laughs> so we have the legendary chuck huber he is blessing us with his voice, his presence. We're going to interview him and get to know a little bit about, about him and the character that he's portrayed. So, um, Gary, I'm going to give you the pleasure of starting the, the questions off. You, look, you seem a little bit excited. So. No, I mean, I think first, I think probably first, we probably just let we'll probably just let Chuck introduce himself a bit so okay, people actually okay. know it's real. <laughs> Hello, my name is Chuck. You can see my name is on the screen. It says Chuck Huber. And in uh, in seventh grade, people call. Well, I won't go out the, the nicknames people had for me. It wasn't very nice. <laughs> but I am a voice actor. I'm the voice of Android Seventeen. It was one of the very first roles I got. Actually, the very first role I got was Garlic Junior. Uh, and Android Seventeen was shortly after that. Uh, but I'm a you know I'm a voice actor. I've been uh, I've been voice acting since ninety. Oh gosh, ninety eight. 97, oh. 98, 99, somewhere around there, 20, 22 years. Some, it's, it seems like my entire life I've been uh, doing doing this work. And it's uh, been nothing but amazing. I get to talk to people like you guys and uh, travel all over the world and meet fans. It's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a wonderful little career. I'm, yeah, it really, you know, like I said, it really has. And it's like... And we're just absolutely happy, you know, absolutely happy and grateful, you know, for some of the memories that you've given us. Um, but yeah, no, it's, but yeah, with that, check, I was just going to, you know, like, you know, just going through, um, you know, when it comes to like voice acting and everything, I just realized like, you know, I'm, I was wondering for yourself, like growing up really, like what, um, you know, when you get every child or everybody they got they get to a place where they decide you know they start to decide what their careers what they want to do you know based on maybe maybe you see something on tv that leads you that way so i was just wondering for yourself right what was that spark that made you decide you wanted to be you know either a voice actor or be in theater or, or you know or be just like on screen on like an on-screen talent what was that spark for you that led you down that path we, I, I grew up, I had three older brothers and one younger sister, and we spent the majority of our time 
just trying to be funny most of the time and doing funny voices. We listen, you know, we watched Monty Python and uh, uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus on Sunday nights. We could get it on the UHF channel. Uh, my brother had a sort of a contraband, small black and white TV that had a broken antenna. So we had to attach tinfoil to it. And my job was to hold the tinfoil and stick my arm out the window so that we could get the reception. <laughs> and so yeah. I kind of had I would like crook, crook my neck around to watch while he was like sitting comfortably watching it. But that's what older brothers are for. But we spent, <laughs> you know, most of our time um, doing, you know, like you do when you're kids, you pretend and play. And, and yeah, I, I thought about it. And some of the first acting I ever did was voice acting because one of the things is sort of a tradition that we had in the house and it was to try to answer the phone uh, especially if it rang during dinner because it was a big performance you had a big audience everyone's sitting down to dinner and so you could get up and and uh, if you could be the first one to the phone you could answer it like this is Parati's pizza or whatever you know <laughs> and try to do something goofy on the phone. And so like that, that was like a standard joke in the house. And we, you know, we did puppet shows and, and my brother and I always did this, this uh, puppet show every Christmas. We had these elf ornaments and, and we would hang them over the banister to the, the first floor and by strings. And we would do these, these little elf puppet shows, but yeah. we, we always loved acting. And then uh, I think I must've been, Oh, when did when did Empire Strikes Back come out? Was that eighty or uh, yeah? I think it was nineteen. I was like nine or ten years old when Empire came out, and then we had a little Super Eight um, movie camera. My brother uh, was directing. My brother John, he was directing. He wanted to shoot uh, basically a fan film of. Yeah. We didn't know it was called a fan film. We were just shooting Star uh, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, we wanted to shoot the Dagobah scene because we had kind of a swampy marshy forest area that we'd always pretend that we were you know the luke skywalker we had a neighbor who did a really excellent yoda voice and had a, <laughs> a rubber yoda mask and so we 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 talked about doing it. we talked about shooting it um and we built we built and i helped build uh, like an r2d2 out of cardboard and i was really really small at the time so i figured i was a shoe-in to be uh R2-D2. And as a matter of fact, I, th I think my agent says I, I really had a, a verbal contract with my brother and he could sue him <laughs> if, if I wanted to, but I've gotten over it. But he, the day they were going to shoot, they, they left me at home oh. and I wasn't allowed to go to the, the place where this, I was, I wasn't allowed to walk there by myself. I had to walk there with my older brother. So once they got off the, that was the thing to get rid of the little brother. They had to kind of sneak out of the, the house and sneak off the property. And they knew I couldn't follow them. And so I remember I was sitting there and I was so mad that they left me behind. And I had a little camera at the time uh, just to, you know, to take pictures with the old, you know, the square flash bulbs. So you could have four flashes and the rest of them, you had to have lights. But I remember I was so mad that I took like, like I would, that's all I could do. I just went and grabbed my camera and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a filmmaker. I'm going to, <laughs> and I like took a picture of the front door where they had left me. And that was like, you know, if there was a moment where I decided I was going to be an actor, that was probably the moment. Uh, oh. So I have to thank my brother, John, because maybe I would have gone to the swamp. Maybe I would have got eaten by mosquitoes. Maybe I would have said acting is stupid. I never want to do it. 
but because he he ditched me, uh, yeah. I ended up being an actor. Oh, wow. I mean, it's it, it might like I said, it seems as though you know it wasn't a bad thing, really. It was a, maybe it could have been a blessing in disguise. Absolutely, you know. there are no bad things. There are there's only what you do with the bad things because okay. bad stuff happens, and <laughs> you just have to accept the change that it's going to make in you. And, and um, they suck. Bad things happen when they, uh, or when they suck, when they happen, when bad things happen. But the, if you rise above and if you keep moving forward, there is some gold to be dug out of those uh, experiences that are difficult. That's for sure. Oh no, that's, that's absolutely true. I, I feel like there's no such thing as a mistake. It's just good coincidences. You just, you know, live in a moment and, you know, keep it pushing. So yeah, yeah, um, for sure. I'm going to go right into Dragon Ball Z because <laughs> Dragon Ball. What? I'm sorry, I've never heard of that show. <laughs> I'm, so sorry. I'm, I'm trying not to right now. I, I got to do that disclaimer because I'm just like, I'm just amazed right now. But uh, <laughs> I wanted to know: Did you have like any prior knowledge of like the series before you got casted for Dragon Ball? Like for um, maybe like Garlic Jr. or like Emperor Pilaf or Seventeen? Did you know anything about the show, or have you ever like watched anime before? I'll take the second part of the question first. We watched anime when we were when we were younger. Uh, Battle of the Planets, G Force, Speed Racer. Battleship Yamamoto, um, uh, you know, those those were on after school from about, and you had to like run home from the bus stop to catch like the last 15 minutes of, uh, uh, it was either G-Force or Battleship Yamamoto. So we only ever saw half episodes because yeah. we didn't get out of school early enough. But we didn't know they were anime. We just thought they were, you know, cartoons that were different from the Saturday morning cartoons that we were used to. And they were on, you know, during the week, which was cool. Uh, so yeah, we loved them as, as kids. Uh, and, and then as I got older, it was in college when I discovered anime for real, which was uh, the first one that blew my mind was Akira. And it, yeah, mm -hmm. so good. And uh, like, I, I, I had never seen something that, you know, like with that scope and that breath and that, that, you know, amazing art and beautiful storytelling. Um, and that's, that's what got me hooked on it. And we used to go to this video store where they, they had like an anime section. And so we would try occasionally to watch series, but they never had the right episodes in, you know, they only had one copy of each uh, four episodes. So you'd, you'd get one through four and then you'd come back and, and five through eight would be gone. So you'd get something else. And then the next week you'd come back and it still wouldn't be there. We tried a couple of times skipping ahead and like, well, you know, let's watch the, you know, nine through 12 and see what, mm -hmm. see what happens. And we did that and it was terrible. We were like, Oh, we missed a bunch of stuff. And <laughs> so we mostly watched movies uh, because you could have the full experience and fun of, of watching it. Um, and not struggle to see the entire series. Um, but as far as Dragon, I'd never heard of Dragon Ball Z. I'd never, didn't even know what it was. I mean, I didn't, I was in Chicago as an actor for about 10 years working in yeah. theater and TV and film and moved to Texas and uh, started a theater company. I was in a rehearsal for an improv show that we were doing and a buddy of mine, Brad Jackson, one of our 
uh, you know, fellow performers came in and he was like, Hey, you should, you should go audition for this dragon balls thing. And I was like, dragon balls. That sounds like porn. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, no, no, it's, it's Japanese anime. And I was like, Oh, so it's definitely porn. And he was like, no, no. <laughs> call this dude. His name's Chris Sabat. And so I, I, you know, he hands me a piece. I write a number down on a piece of paper and I, I call him and, <clears throat> And I had come from Chicago and I had done, um, you know, I'd done lots of voiceovers, like commercial voiceovers. And those yeah. were always in big uh, steel and glass buildings with the receptionist and the sign in sheet. And I had gotten the, you know, audition notice from my agent and you got the copy beforehand. And, you know, so it was very, very, you know, sort of regimented. This was a buddy of mine giving me a, a number of a guy and I called him and he was like, yeah, man, yeah, come on in. Yeah, yeah, it'd be great. You can audition. Uh, it's in the, the bank building in North, you know, the bank building over off of Roof Snow on North Richland Hills. Yeah, so like go through the gas station. You can park in the back, like, and that's probably the best door to come in. Yeah, where uh, you'll see us at, uh, yeah. Uh, it'll be good to, you know, and it was like, this very casual and I got there and there was no, you know, I was in the lobby of this bank and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. And I walked into the bank and I was like, do you know where Funimation is? And, and the <laughs> bank teller was like, yeah, it's the door, you know, it's the, the other door on the other side of the lobby. And I opened the door and it's just a giant room, almost floor to ceiling with boxes of videotapes. And there's kind of like this little path through the boxes and I can see there's a door open there and I can kind of see like there's people in the, in the room. And so I walk through the, the boxes and I'm kind of like knocking on them. I'm like, hello. And they're like, Oh, and I would recognize this voice right away. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, come on in. And I was like, Hey, I'm Chuck. <laughs> I'm here for an audition. He's like, Oh, great. That's perfect. That's right. Hop in the booth. And he gave me, he goes, you think you can do this guy? And he showed me a, picture of garlic jr and it, it had top, yeah, you know lines on it and i was like yeah i can do that and i jumped in the booth and i was like mm, i'm gonna push you into the dead zone <laughs> and um you know I, I maybe only did like one or two lines and he was like man that is that was just that is fantastic that was awesome man so like uh do you have like uh do you got uh do you, do you have time like right now to record? And I was, I was like, what? He's like, yeah, we're, uh, we're kind of on a deadline and, and we need to, we need to get some episodes out. Do you, do you have time like right now? Uh, just like a couple episodes. That and I was like, <laughs> no contract, no, like nothing. No, no. It, didn't go, oh, it was wow. just like walk in a room, do a couple of lines and you got the yeah. role. And I, so I was instantly convinced that this was some sort of, scam or or not real or or i wasn't gonna get paid and uh, but it was you know it was fun so i hopped it i was like sure man i can do it but i remember being very skeptical and uh so i did it and it was super fun um yeah. you know he sabbat was awesome director john bergmeyer at the time was the engineer Mm -hmm. And uh, we we finished the couple of episodes that they needed done, and he was like, "That was great, man. We'll uh, uh, we'll 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 uh, we'll we'll call you when we need you to come in for the next ones." And I was like, "Okay." And I was literally halfway out the door, and he like, he, "Oh wait!" And he like rips a uh, piece of notebook paper out of this notebook and he goes, uh, "Here, can you give me your like address so we can pay you?" And I was like, <laughs> oh, "Yeah, sure, yeah." <laughs> 
Sure, uh, sure. <laughs> no, no, no. Ten ninety nine. No, you know, like no forms to fill out. It's just a ripped piece of notebook paper. And I was like, oh. sure, here's my address. Whatever, <laughs> you know. I didn't. I was. I was polite, of course, but in my mind, I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Like, I went see, home. I'm not going to see everything. Like, yeah, I'm never going to see nothing. Nothing. So I, I went home and I was like, well, that was fun. I don't think I'll. Yeah, that was great. But then, um, you know, I got a call to come in again, and so I was like. Oh, well, okay. Yes, I'll come in again. That was fun. Yeah. And I, I came in again, and I think I finished the recording for the the Garlic Junior. I may, maybe there might have been two more sessions, but, um, you know, I, it, it, this is back in the day when you had to get a physical check to be paid. So I was, I was still kind of convinced I was never going to get paid, which is a common thing sometimes for, for actors to do work and, and then never see the money for it. But then, then a check came, and I had done like... I think I'd done like maybe five or six hours of work, maybe more, because the check was substantial enough that I was like, holy cow, this is a real job. Um, <laughs> and substantial back in 97 or whatever, we were like $35 an hour. And I'd done like, you know, seven hours. So I got like a $250, $245 check, which was like came right at the right time, just down to zeros in my bank account. And I was able to just put money in and go buy groceries and put gas in my car. And so I was hooked after that. And, uh, you know, from from then on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I never watched the show for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, They used to give us videotapes uh, as they were produced. And I just saved them. I never, I never, it, it, the show, I, I figured I saw most of it when I was recording it. And I didn't, I didn't understand it was a big hit in Japan. I was busy with my theater company and my, my, uh, you know, movie auditions, television auditions. This was just sort of a side hustle. Uh-huh. So I wasn't too interested in it. But um, uh, then as it started to get bigger and bigger, of course, I was like, well, I should see what this is all about, you know? Right. But that's really? that's how I got that's yeah. how I got into it. And then you know, back then there were only like twelve of us doing all the voices. I say that jokingly, but you know, really, it was about you know a dozen, couple dozen people doing all the voices for the first couple rounds. You know, it's only now that there's thousands and thousands of people trying to you know get roles on it, so they got their their pick. Uh, but back then it was a real tight circle of uh, you know just young young ridiculous people being being goofy in a booth it was a lot of fun yeah i think um yeah i mean now that you just mentioned uh, like the whole booth cell i think i did have a question um in regards to that i know a lot of um um a lot of um recording studios now it's either you know they they just bring you in one at a time you just do your lines and then someone else comes in does their lines but they don't actually have anyone to kind of like bounce it off as well as then there's like some like for example in 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 an invincibles uh the the series that was on amazon when i was watching the behind the scenes there was it was a case where they had all the actors in one booth so they were all doing their lines as they you know as in the, in real time is it a case where for yourself as a voice actor is it um would you say you prefer just you know going into the booth by yourself and then just do your lines there or is it a case you prefer maybe pre- like having Christmas Sabbath right there with you so you're doing your lines he's doing his lines 
does that does that have a difference you know does that have an impact on terms of like the quality that you produce yeah it does and uh well i don't i won't say it has a different in a different it doesn't have an impact on the quality it has a, an impact on the experience of of trying to produce the quality a hundred percent with uh, DBZ and uh, 99.9% of all Funimation properties, you record individually. And even in those first sessions, I was recording individually. Sabbath was directing, so he wasn't doing his lines, but his lines were already recorded. So you interact with the recordings of other actors, but you're doing all the acting by yourself. But there was one time we did a prelay, which is where all the actors are in the, the booth at the same time for a movie uh, called Dragon Age, Legend of the Seeker. And it was, you know, maybe 15 years into our careers and they cast us all and brought us all into a big conference room. And we sat down and did a table read of the whole movie. Uh, and it was so weird because we had never sat across the table from each other and and just done some straight up acting and so it was like this really neat moment where the main the main crew of of actors were all rehearsing together and then they brought us in scene by scene and had us all acting together in the booth and they had cameras on us to capture our facial expressions as we were you know acting and that was used for the the CGI uh reference and and uh, so that that you know the, the, the anytime you're doing any type of acting all the externals you know affect your ability uh and this because it was new um you know there's it makes you a little bit more nervous you're doing something different but not having to match the flaps being able to just act how act the line however the impulse moves you did make it um uh, it's 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 a little bit freer. You get to to make a little bit more organic choices. You don't have to fit it into what's already been drawn. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's an, there's opportunities there to do something maybe different than you've ever done before. Absolutely, yes, definitely. Um, it's, it definitely sounds like an amazing experience, um, especially right. working with other voice actors. I mean, you guys are all legendary to me. So <laughs> <laughs> to us both, to us both. Well, I have to say, I wake up every morning and I look in the mirror and I say, "How's it going, Legend?" And then I, <laughs> then I, then I, then I empty the cat litter. You know, I'm taking the garbage. <laughs> uh, definitely. So I have a question about Android Seventeen. So um, yes, you do, and I'm going to answer it. So we were introduced to Android 17. It's just like this destruction, like little punk, like little punk with his twin sister, just destroying Trunks timeline. And just kind of like, you know, they didn't kill future Gohan. And, you know, that was a legendary scene and all that stuff. And then, you know when he then his his legendary fight with Piccolo and him getting um him getting absorbed and now he's turned into like a ranger that's helping animals and you know so how do you feel about um Android Seventeen's like development from being like a bad boy to kind of like you know he's actually since the tournament of power he's like the savior of the universe at this point. 
Uh, sorry, universes. It's plural. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's right. That's right. Well, it. You know, when I auditioned for Android 17, I kind of can't. That was the first one I was kind of excited for. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, you know, I came in with all these ideas of how I was going to portray him. And Sabbath was like, no, man, no, just relax. Just don't do anything. And I'd be like, I am Andrew. And he's like, no, man, seriously, just, just like deadpan, like, like be dead inside. And so like, so I was like, I'm Android 17. He's like, that's perfect. Yeah, let's go with that. And I was like, that's not, I'm not even acting. I'm just saying the words and being dead. And he's like, that's what I want. I was like, okay. So that whole DBZ arc was yeah. some of the easiest acting I've ever had to do in my life. I'd literally walk in the booth, you know, holding my Starbucks and just, you know, pretty much just read the line. I mean, there's little nuances, there's little snarkiness, but in terms of what everybody else was having to do in the series, yeah. ah, ah, you know, like, <laughs> that's right. Android 17. If you watch the original DBZ, he doesn't make any effort noises when he's fighting. So there'd be this massive fight and I'd maybe go, hmm. you know, like that's <laughs> it. And all the other actors were having to kill themselves, uh, screaming and powering up and all that. And I was like, man, I got the plum roll here. This is, uh, this is easy. And so he, he, I'm uh, sorry. No, so it's just like a cakewalk to me. Yeah, it was, it was very easy. And, uh, the 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 development you know so he he has his moment but you get to see him again you know at the very end of dbz he raises his gun at the poachers mm -hmm. and i was like oh that's so amazing he comes back for one little one little snippet and i and then dbz went away and and uh we did kai uh, which was nice because we got to kind of revisit things and we were better at our jobs and we'd review the old stuff and be like oh my god i can't believe we let that fly you know, some of the bad flap matching that we did early on. And, you know, cause we were just real loose um, in the beginning. So that, you know, like the development there was sort of a professional development. And then he went away and DBZ went away. And I was like, well, I guess that's over. And we went on to like Yu Yu Hakusho and, you know, Soul Eater and, and a, you know, Full Metal Alchemist and all the other ones. And then suddenly, you know, you get the call uh, the first call I got was that Emperor Pilaf had come back. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I get to do Emperor Pilaf again. That's crazy. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and I had always for years and years at conventions joked that um, Android 17 was going to come back as a tree hugging hippie. That was my joke. You'd be like, yeah, man, peace. Love all the animals and the earth. Like that was a joke I made for almost a decade, I guess. And then he came yeah. back <laughs> as a tree hugging hippie. I mean, it, I was like, <laughs> I, I think I made that happen with my mind. So now the thing I'm trying to make happen with my mind, Toriyama hear me, is that Android <laughs> 17 gets his own standalone series where you get to watch him uh, episode after episode, uh, confront different poachers, different aliens, different threats on the island and then you, you get cameos, you know, you yeah. know, uh, Krillin would come help him one episode. Uh, so that's the next thing I'm prophesying in the, in the, but his development as a character was really fun. And, and he even says it, and it's probably his, his, his ultimate, um, uh, probably my favorite moment in super was, 
you know, where he sacrifices himself and he says, look at me being all human. Cause that's all he ever, you know, that's all he ever wanted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was my favorite moment. I was like 17. Like, you know, this man was like killing timelines at one point. Now he's like saving the multiverse. Like, you know what I mean? yeah. 17. That, that was a trip. I woke up uh, to a bunch of texts on my phone of people telling, I wasn't really on Twitter. I was a barely on Twitter at the time. So I didn't really understand what trending on Twitter was, but somebody was said, had all these texts like you're trending on Twitter. And I was like, me? And they were like, well, not you, but Android 17. I'm like, well, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I saw, and that's kind of what got me into Twitter. I was like, holy cow, I'm trending on Twitter. And uh, yeah. uh, so that was, that was a trip. And then, and then, of course, when he wasn't dead, spoiler, uh, everybody was was uh, super stoked again. And that was that was fun. It was it, I mean, you I have I went to school with a bunch of professional actors and, and yeah. we've all had different successes. Uh, and I couldn't you couldn't imagine living in Fort Worth and and ending up part of a massive global property as mm -hmm. you know one of the or several of the the beloved characters in it like for that to happen to me in fort worth was i thought my career was not career was over but i thought any opportunity for like uh that type of success was gone when i left chicago and chose not to move to la and yeah. kind of downshifted and was like i'm gonna go to fort worth and just uh have a theater company and do some teaching, do some workshops, maybe some corporate training. You know, I had, I had plans and then to end up traveling the world with, uh, you know, legions of fans who are super, super supportive was, uh, mm -hmm. something I'd always dreamed about, but it happened in yeah. such a, such a weird, you know, obtuse way that, that it came about totally unexpected. As a matter of fact, the first time I signed autographs, I thought I was going to the convention because Funimation had invited me to a convention and I thought I was going to be promoting because I, as an oh. actor, had done promotions at conventions for other companies before they hire actors. They pay you a day rate. You go there, you pass out flyers. So I'd done that type of work. So I assumed that was the work I was going to be doing. And they, they brought us out to San Diego comic-con yeah. and I, uh, I, they, I said, where do I got to be? They told me where I was supposed to be. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, what time? They're like, um, uh, two to six. I'm like, what am I going to be doing? And they were like, you're signing autographs, Chuck. What do you mean? What are you going to be doing? And I'm like, signing autographs. Like the only time I'd signed autographs was when I did like children's shows at Casa Manana and the kids would come <laughs> backstage. And I, you know, uh, you know, I was the scarecrow in, in the Wizard of Oz. If I only had a brain, you know, and I'd sign little kids autographs or whatever. So that's that was my only experience with it. And I was like, you guys, this is the dumbest promotion ever. Nobody's going to want my autograph. So I was like, yeah, like conflicting with them, saying their their marketing was stupid. And they're like, Chuck, just show up. And, and I I showed up and I sat down at the table and there was nobody there. And I was like, see, this is stupid. It's not going to work. And they were like, Chuck. And they pointed to this line that stretched all the way around this gigantic room I was in. And they were like, that's your line. And that's it was amazing. That is yeah. So amazing. Like, and I was, I was like, what's going on? And they like put a Sharpie in my hand and released the hounds. And suddenly I was like, what is going on? 
Like I really <laughs> didn't know what was happening for like the first, because like the first girl that came, this was during Yu Yu Hakusho. First girl that yeah. came up was a huge Hiei fan and she was crying and she, you know, she had, it was just, it was so emotional for her. She had watched the show with her dad who had died of cancer. And so like my very first autograph was one of those super special ones. And, uh, you know, I was just like, I don't know what's ha Why is she crying? Because she's meeting me. Like I didn't understand it. And then gradually as the, the hours rolled on and I, I was like, these are all my friends from high school. Mm -hmm. Oh, they, I understand what this is. This is, the internet allows you all to like, you can all be fans together instead of just being like you and and uh, Dean Kaplan playing D and D by yourselves, pretending you have a DM. You know, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like it, it was uh, sparse pickings back in the day when when uh, uh, I was a nerd. So uh, it was nice. It was really, really, really a wonderful experience at first time. Oh, that is awesome. That is that is literally just just the fact, you know, just so it's just the fact that you still remember that first autograph now. Oh yeah, I said, it is it is amazing. Like you know, the fandom, you know, it is it is a wonderful thing, really. It's like especially you know, for example, the way you say it, like you didn't expect this, but when it came, you were just you know, it's not you were just a surprise, and and that and it's an amazing and it's an amazing thing, really. And like you know, it's like you know just like says for myself as a fan it just can't thank you enough really um, you, know, <laughs> I, you so deserve all the thanks you guys are doing all the work <laughs> i mean there's only one there's to be fair there's only one thing that i can't thank you for shall tucker i just i mean we just gotta get in there really because Come on. i mean <laughs> i mean okay okay i think okay so initially i had a few questions but i think I just wanted to, you know, <laughs> you I, I had to uh, start it. <laughs> no, no. So, okay. I think my question now, you know, is more on a personal level for you. Um, you know, just having having portrayed um, that that character. So, I mean, if you if you don't feel comfortable answering it, it I, I, it's fine, and I totally understand. Um, the question is now, like having <laughs> having gone through, you know, voicing voicing. Um, um shout out her you know and you know experiencing everything right how for yourself how is how do you what, what what's your reaction um to the episodes yourself more more so as a you know i think i read um you know i read on your twitter bio that you know you're like husband and father like you know what's your <clears throat> reaction to that episode itself as a father yourself now you know having <laughs> seen what he did you know to his to, you know to his own daughter you know for for what you know for what he was for what he deemed to be you know chasing this you know how how do you react to it like you know what what's your reaction to yourself as a father to that episode to those episodes having seen it but back I, now yeah i had i had one reaction while recording it which as an actor you're like, this is awesome. That guy's totally tall. Oh, that's great. You know, like, and you're having a blast recording it. Yeah. Because it's fun to play, uh, you know, broken characters. You know, there's no, um, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt. It's it's funny. You know, you're like, oh, look at her. She looks like a dog. That's funny. You know, like, maybe part of that's, you know, because you're not immersed in the story. You're just... Uh, doing the job of an actor. And then when I watched the series, I was like, oh my gosh, I am a horrible, horrible human being. What did I do? Like, 
<laughs> and it's it's a character that uh, as far as being, you know, sort of highlighting what the evil of human nature is, because all bad guys think they're good guys. None of the bad guys are like, I'm a baddie and, you know, twist their mustache. That's only in movies. Most people doing horrible things know or, or think or believe that what they're doing is right. You know, there's some there's there's some people who are just monsters and, uh, you know, born that way with something broken in them. And they, they may know that they're monsters, but that's a different that that's not a bad guy at this level. This, uh, you know, he highlights the real, um, you know, issue with human brokenness, which is using another human being to solve your problem you know, at their expense to, to save yourself, you're willing to, and he went further than, than, than most people do. Well, no, that's not true. A lot of people start by damaging their children to save themselves. And that's that this was a, a, a great allegory of yeah. the most broken idea of parenthood that there could be. Uh, and, and his, you know, the result, and I think that's what hurt people so much, hurt people so much is that Nina was uh, uh, just so beautiful and such a bright, fresh, lovely creature. And to have her deformed like that and not even, you know, and it's the suffering that uh, Brina was able to express through the character, you know, like that just the idea of being trapped in this amalgamation of, and, and it's also the dog because it's the, it's the dog. It's the fan, you know, like you ruined the dog too. And you mushed two beautiful things together and made them so ugly and that suffer so bad. But that's a character that, you know, no people sometimes will ask me, do people hate you for that? And then no, nobody hates me. I mean, we, there's a pretend game that we play at the table where people will come up and um, be mad at me. I hate you, you know, and I'm like, and, and I instantly know what they're talking about, you know, and I'm like, and I used to have a Nina Alexander plushie that I'd hide behind my little sign. And when people like that would come up, I would, I would go, the cow goes moo, the cat, <laughs> the cat goes meow oh. the dog goes edward and i'd pull the little doll out and um uh, they would just you know cry not really cry but fake cry and get angry and and uh you know so it's a, a fun little expiation of uh of uh pain that's an integration of the trauma and you know it's funny because oh. a lot of parents let their little kids watch anime and it's not you know, it, it, it is, I don't think it's bad for kids to experience real emotions like that. But I think a lot of people that come up to the table have had real, true trauma from that episode as a nine-year-old, not understanding how that's even a story. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because I would rather have them, their first experience with that type of trauma be a story they love and can, can, deal with rather than their first time uh, experiencing that level of evil being out in the world. Um, you know, like, like the, like the aliens from galaxy quest, you know, just totally innocent so that, 
and not that you have to rub, you know, remove the innocence from children, but at, at some point they have to understand that stories aren't all Disney stories you know they don't have very clear villains and and very clear heroes and everything doesn't work out um uh, and that's what I, you know i think a, that's a lot of the reason that people turn to anime because they don't know what's going to happen sure, you don't yeah. know how where the story's going to go and it can surprise you yeah, and, and yeah so I, my question is just comparing as far as fatherhood with Shao Tucker and particularly Goku. Who would you feel like is a worse father? Like if <laughs> Shao Tucker did and what Goku does? <laughs> it's like a whole thing in the anime community where it'll be like, Shao, who's the worst fathers in anime? Shao Tucker, Goku, Gone from Hunter, I mean, uh, Gene from Hunter. Yeah, Gene from Hunter. Hunter. Who would you say <laughs> would be like a worse father, like between Shao Tucker and, and Goku? Well, go. I mean, Goku's a better being. He's a better, he's a better, you know, he is a hero. He's a true hero. He sacrifices for friends. He's, yeah. so he's, he's, at least a good example that way. As far as being a bad father, he's yeah, he's he's not the greatest father. <laughs> <laughs> he's a pretty terrible father. But at least he's a at least he's you know uh, sacrificing his ability to be a good father for uh, you know noble reasons. Shout Tucker's reasons were selfish. You know yeah. his reasons for being a bad father were uh, you know his own personal fear. You know, it's not it's not for the greater good. It's for his own good. So I think Shout Tucker is definitely worse. <laughs> Y'all heard it here. Y'all saw. Y'all heard it. <laughs> so I want to go into the character of Hie. Um, Hie is just like monumental. <clears throat> like you have to show all together is just legendary. But Hie is just amazing. So, I mean. How how do you feel like? Well, well, my first question is is um, how do you how did you feel about playing the character of Hie? Of course, he has like the the bad boy nonchalant uh, mentality, but I mean a uh, personality. But how did you embody your own your own personal character into the character of Hie? Because again, I'm just gonna keep using this word legendary because Hie. I've seen Hie's personality in so many Jeez. anime characters, and the fact that you 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 know you brought the character to life. So how do you how do you feel about um you know how did you feel about playing uh Hie? Hie is like me before coffee. Like if I haven't had coffee, that's pretty much Hie. It's like <laughs> uh, just uh, not ready for anybody else's uh, uh, BS. Um, he's he's an amazing. He's that like that type of character. The the good guy, bad guy. I'm not sure if I'm going to help you, but come in clutch to save the day. You know, that's a super fun character to play. I I don't, um, nor have I ever really, I don't think I really ever played any straight up uh, protagonist heroes. I'm always a little bit anti-hero, a little bit, you know, someone who's a little broken, but can do good things. And those characters speak to me probably because that is similar to my own personality. Yeah. I am not um, uh, uh, ask any of my <laughs> ask any of my. I've got like five close friends, you know, a couple I've known since kindergarten, a couple since I was twenty, you know, a couple. Uh, uh, and if I were to say this, they would all be nodding their heads in unison. I, you know, it's not necessarily the easiest thing. 
to be around me sometimes. <laughs> I, I can be challenging. I can be um, direct in, in ways that are uncomfortable. And, uh, sure. you know, so I'm not a straight up uh, Chuck. The person is not a straight up hero by any stretch mm -hmm. of the imagination. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I identify with characters who are um, struggling, who are struggling to, you know, keep to their own principles and yet still be willing to change. And regardless of both of those still in the end, do the right thing, which, you know, sure yeah. sort of core values um, of, of what, what I believe in, which is, you know, you got to be who you are and you got to, you know, hold those beliefs, uh, but don't, don't hold on to them too tightly. Be willing to let go of them when it's, when it's time to let go of them. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and a lot of that comes with uh, age and experience. I was certainly much more direct when I was younger. I've, yeah. I've, uh, I've tapered my, my uh, attitudes. Mostly you just get tired. You're like, ah, it's too much energy to fight all, you know, <laughs> every battle that comes your way. So you pick your battles more and, you know, he picks his battles. He's not always there. He's not always, he's not, you know, he's not doing what people tell him to do. He does what he thinks is right, which is very similar to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no. Cause like, what I was going to say next was that, like, I mean, you know, like now, like when you look back on it, I think it's almost been, I think almost, I think almost 29 years since Yu Yu Hakusho came out itself. How, like, when you look back on it, it's like, it's, are you, would you say you're surprised? Does it, does it surprise you to this day that almost 30 years later, this anime that you, you know, that you were a part of is, still in some regards in certain anime communities regarded as l maybe the top one of the top 10 greatest animes ever made like is that does that still surprise you like even in 2021 you've still got people that have never watched anime but they're they're getting they're they're getting into it they're watching Yu Yu Hakusho and they're saying it's a lot you know you know obviously like based on their opinions it's a lot better than some of the stuff that's out there you know it, does that surprise you? Like even when you go to conventions or anything like people, you know, like younger fans talking about he or something like that. I I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. I won't say I'm surprised. I, you, the reaction to it when, when it came out was so strong, you could tell that it was going to last. And the good thing about anime is anime was one of the first um, because it wasn't as widely distributed on television, it was one of those sort of first uh, genres that there was no late to the party. So there is never a there's never a time when, um, you know, there's there's never a time when Cowboy Bebop is not going to be awesome for somebody to start for the first time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you, if you're, you know, your kids haven't uh, uh, watched Cowboy Bebop, you get to go, hey, you should check this one out. And now I've got my children were never were never into anime. Um, I, I remember very clearly uh, my oldest, my oldest, who's 30. Uh, my stepson is uh, 32 now. Um, he, uh, I remember sitting him down when he was maybe 15 or, or 14 and showing him an episode of DBZ and 
Um, and DBZ is a fighter, you know, it's a fighter anime. It's kind of got the same, um, same sort of feel as, as, uh, the, 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 you know, a little bit like professional wrestling, but with aliens and superpowers, you know, it's (laughs) real clear, good guys, real clear, bad guys, guys, power up, power up, you know, tag, you know, tag team. So it's, uh, and it wasn't his cup of tea. I remember he looked at me, we were watching it and he was like, Dad, this fight is taking a really long time. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah you're not going to like this show then. This one isn't for you. Um, <laughs> you want me trying to get to it. Like, what's going on? <laughs> right, exactly. But now my two, my two younger girls and now all the, the even my, my, my older son, my 15-year-old now, he, he and all his cousins and friends, and I have like, I think 42 nieces and nephews in my family. We have a really large family. So, and now ever since the pandemic, the, the, the line for people watching anime got expanded because people ran out of stuff to watch. And they, so a lot of people started discovering anime who maybe wouldn't have discovered it otherwise. So suddenly all my family, um, uh, nephews and nieces, suddenly they, they're all, uh, into anime. My son is into anime. My girls, they got anime Demon Slayer posters on their wall. Uh, you, you know, so, and uh, they just, uh, my my daughter, Juliet, just watched Hunter Hunter. And um, and I'm like, and I keep, I keep dropping the Yu Yu Hakusho. They're like, what should I watch next? I'm like, well, if you like Hunter x Hunter, you probably like, uh, you probably like Yu Yu Hakusho, same, uh, same people. And so I keep trying, I, I slip mine in there every once in a while. They, they like my hero academia and they like it when Kuro Giri comes on. So that that's fun <laughs> for them. And they, they flex the cred at school and, and at the, you know, whenever we're out, uh, you know, like at the playground or whatever. So it's fun for them to have their, their dad in the industry, but it's fun for me uh, yeah. to see them, you know, want to cosplay or, or want to, and they've been going to conventions forever. I mean, my children have been with me at conventions since, you know, to, I think that first one was like, San Diego Comic-Con was like 2002, 2003. So it's been, you know, 17, 18 years that they've been coming to conventions with me, but they were never really fans. They like the, uh, uh, you know, the dealer's room and they like the stuff, but they'd never really gotten into the anime. And now, now they're, they're all into it. And uh, my son blazed through Jojo's and, and uh, he, and I just got him the manga of it. And, and he's like, you know, he was so excited to get the manga. And I was like, I never thought this would happen to me that my, my kids would actually be fans. So that, that part's been fun for sure. But I really think Yu Yu Hakusho could use, I don't know if it could use a reboot or like the brotherhood treatment or just a remastering, you know, like maybe a remastering. Yeah. yeah I think, yeah. Um, yeah, I just recently watched. Sorry, just to interrupt. So, I just recently watched um, Shaman King, the remake, and it's for better or worse. I mean, I it didn't, you know, I it didn't need a remake. Um, you know, right. the first one that I saw, it was fine. So, I I I don't know if I don't know if a remake would be a good idea. I feel like the way the the way animation's done now, slightly in terms of it's it's. Um, it's a little bit more different to what was done back in the day. I think it, back in the day it was more hand drawn. Now it's more, now it's more like digital, like three D and stuff. Uh, I, I just, I just feel like it might. I don't know. I think it I might ruin like it. Yeah, Hakusho, yeah. I think Yu Yu Hakusho is just. It's in a place where, you know, it's like 
you want more it's you know you watch it and you want more but at the same time you know if you get more you're not gonna like it yeah it's (laughs) it's just in that little place yeah we do need to record those ovas though right before the pandemic i remember going into funimation and uh, Justin Cook, the producer, he was like, I got the line counts. We should be, rec- that usually means we're recording soon. And I was like, awesome. He is back again. And then the pandemic hit and we never recorded him. So it's been two years now. Uh, and I keep asking, I'm like, well, actually, you know, I haven't asked. I should ask next time. I mean, yeah, it's all weird because we're all recording from home now. So we don't get any of that hallway time where you could bug directors what do you got what's coming up next what you know like or or talk to the producers you're just Mm -hmm. recording from home so you know you just kind of do your job and and uh, but i gotta i should send justin an email and be like man what's up with those ovas we need to get those done yeah i was actually (laughs) gonna ask like do you kind of like um outside of voice acting do you like keep up with your other like voice acting counterparts like people play with in uh, like Dragon Ball, you have to know, um, you know, things like that. You guys still kind of like stay connected and, and, you know, maybe do some like little tidbits together, like little like moments in the show together or talk about things like that. Well, we, we get a lot of interaction, like a lot of times where we see each other and maybe even meet each other for the first time is at a convention. You'll You'll be at a convention and be like, oh, you're that character. And you're like, oh, it's amazing. It's good to meet you. I've never met you before. And so, and we get a lot of fun uh, hangout time at conventions. There's there's dinners, there's the bar afterwards, there's the parties or, or whatever. And so you get to hang out and 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 get to know the other actors. That's, it's, that's the times when we really get to just, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, chill together. Mike McFarland and I, you know, he was a, he's a big, he was a big theater actor here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. So we'd bump into each other in the theater scene and uh, Aaron Roberts, who is in fire force and he's in MHA. He's been a dear friend of mine from the theater scene in, uh, in the Dallas Fort, and he and I still hang out, um, you know, fairly he's having a, he just had his baby, uh, his first baby. So we haven't, we haven't hung out very much in the past, you know, nine months. He's been kind of uh, focused. Uh, but, uh, the, I mean, the conventions are where we really get to hang out. We hung out more when we were young and didn't have wives and, and, and children. I was kind of the old man of the group when it started. <laughs> they would all hang out more than me. I wasn't really older than them. I was just the only one with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was 20, 26 and had two kids. So... Uh, I didn't get to go out as much with people like in our improv show. One time we had Chris Sabat come and uh, spin at our halftime uh, intermission. So he was sort of our DJ for the night. Um, <laughs> you, you know, that we used to do, try to do little projects together. Brina Palencia and I worked on a, um, a, sh- a web series called the Troubadours. I had a bunch of people in, in a couple of the films that I did. Um, so like we'll, we'll work together professionally uh, and socially now we're all, you know, we're all uh, pretty much, you know, married and children and and sort of focused on that stuff. And that's why the conventions are fun, because you get to step out of your little, um, you know, family life and go yeah, hotel and, you know, let's grab breakfast. And you just go to the buffet and hang out with someone you haven't seen in a while or have a beer, you know catch up with someone at the at the bar and and just talk about life so you know we're very the 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 structure of the job of being a 
a legendary quote uh, yes. uh, voice actor <laughs> is really nice because you you work not that much. I mean, there's not a lot. You're not doing 40 hours of recording. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you go to conventions, you get, you know, flown somewhere and you get to, you, you know, hang out with your friends. And so it's a, a structure wise, it's really, really, a, 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 it's really good in terms of being a family person as I am and having a career that is known it, it is it is the least impact on the family life. I, I have friends who are well-known uh, film actors and it's it's much different. You know, they'll be gone for three months at a time or, or you know, because film work is pretty grueling when you're a lead mm -hmm. and uh, I don't have to do that. I mean, I'd like to maybe once or twice more before I die, but um, it's not something I have to pursue because the the anime fandom has has supported me and my family so well. And we keep our, our expectations pretty modest here in Fort Worth. So we're not, you know, looking to to move to Beverly Hills or anything or drive a, a Rolls Royce or anything. You know, my 2006 Honda Accord works just fine. <laughs> <laughs> the simple life. That's like simple life. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah, so um, we wanted to uh, thank you so much. Do you have any other, any more questions? Oh, um, I, I think... Um, yeah, I think I was just going to say um, um, in regards to I'm not too, I'm sure you're probably aware about the, you know, the the recent news that came out in the anime community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Chris yeah. Ayers. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Ayers. Um, I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to, I will, you know, I, was, I know, you know, you probably worked you know you worked together on the like tournament power and everything and i was just wondering you know if you had any memory you know any any good mo memories of him you know like any funny stories or i don't i don't have any good memories of him i have all my memories of him are good he yeah. is absolutely and and across the board um every voice actor you would ever talk to everybody loved Chris Ayers. And even before I met him, everybody was like, Chris Ayers is, is the best. And, you know, Greg Ayers is, is great too. And I feel my heart goes out to Greg so much right now, but um, you know, Greg is a personality and he's a DJ and he's, a, you know, he's, he's, he's different from his brother and everybody loves Greg too. But Chris is, uh, was just one of the most genuinely nice, kind, humble, uh, just there for the fans. And I, I sat in on one of his he used to do, we would always talk theater cause he was a big theater nerd too. And he would, he would do stage combat workshops. And I got, I, I was like, can I come play at your stage combat workshop? So we did, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, sure. Come. Cause I was certified combatant too. So, um, you know, we worked with the, 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 the actors who were the fans, actors who who wanted to learn some stage combat. And he's just such a great teacher and such a great, you know, human being. And, and I, I and here's the deal. I've, as you get, and nobody, no, everybody, everybody has to die. That's not a, that's not something we get out of life without doing. And death gets a lot of the, the negative focus not and not that we ever want anyone to die, but Chris lived such a full life, and he was such a person who was so full of life. Um, you know, I'd give anything to 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 have him back, but he did it so well, 
And if this is just the training ground and there's something after, um, which nobody knows, nobody knows what's after. Anyone who claims to is uh, just guessing. But if there, you know, if this is, and he had something, uh, you know, maybe he, he was so good. He graduated, you know, he was, he was too good for the world. And and it was, it's time for him to go do something else somewhere else. That's what, that's the way I look at it. That's the way I frame it. When, when people I love, uh, when it's their time to leave, I, I, uh, I just, I, I wish all the best for them and whatever their new adventure is. And that's what I wish for Chris, for sure. He's a great dude. Yes, definitely. Um, definitely condolences to, to his family. And, you know, again, he was legendary as well. Legendary voice actor plays such an amazing, impactful character. Um, so we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Um, I want to just thank you so much for um, blessing our, you know, getting you talk with your presence. You know, you play so many legendary characters that, I mean, you know, people's childhood, you know, things like that. I mean, even playing Colonel Geary in MHA, you know, he's legendary as well. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely um, much appreciated with you um, coming on our podcast. Um, it's my pleasure. It is my absolute pleasure. It's it's one of my favorite things I do when, when, when fans like you are supporting the entire fandom this way, it's, it's, it's my honor to come on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Like I said, as, as, as uh, as Black Bloomer said, it's like I said, it is um, you know just speaking to you now, just kind of just rolled back the years in my eyes. I mean, we're not that old, no, but um, <laughs> you know, it rolled back the years. Just you know, just just watching, like you know, just sitting down watching Dragon Ball, watching Yu show. You know, I was not so much Full Metal Alchemist, but um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's it, you know, for us for us, it's such an honor knowing that like. You know, just even just speaking to you, you know, like just knowing, like just remembering all these memories that we have, you know, based on the shows to actually then speak to someone that actually made those memories. It's, 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 just, too, it's just too special to quantify. Well, that's my pleasure. All right, then. So I want to thank you, audience. Everyone in the audience definitely said thank you and everything like that. Thank you, audience. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so this has been Ginyu Talk episode one. You guys have a great Friday and we will see you guys next week. Make sure you follow us, Ginyu Talk. We're all on all social media platforms and there'll be links in the comments and everything. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs>